0: Hello and welcome into IndyCar 2024 in new track record podcast returns. Caleb Hatch, Justin Kinney, and in 2024 in IndyCar, no negative talk, Justin. No negative talk. We negative are, talk is out. We are not
1: doing anything negative on this podcast. We'll see how long yeah, this lasts. We'll
0: last. see how long we stick to that. <laughs> but negative talk is out for 2024. What's in is us finally recording our first episode. Of new track record for 2024. Good to be so, back. Yeah, we're back. We're ready. We're refreshed. Ready to go. Plenty so to talk all yeah.
1: positivity. Yes,
0: yeah, so let's let's dive into it. And not really a whole lot of huge news items from IndyCar content days, but we had an announcement earlier this week as we record on the evening of January the 11th here in the U.S. And Foyt has their lineup solidified for 2024. Uh, Stingray Rob was previously announced. Benjamin Peterson congratulated him. <laughs> Santino Ferrucci to the team type thing. Also announced this week. Now he was confirmed and what was interesting that came out today during IndyCar Content Days is it's the same deal as last year. The hope is that it's full time. Depends on early results basically through Indy and, and getting the funding shored up. My guess would be that they will make this work. And with that Penske Alliance it's only going to help your operation. So Santino Ferrucci all but full-time confirmed for 2024. Good news with Foyt getting some continuity back and a guy who's c- clearly can be a, a number one driver for a team, especially you know a smaller or midfield team. And so good to see him get that opportunity again based on how well he did just at Indy last year, how much of a threat he is at Indy each and every year. And now we're talking about a guy who's experienced and can bring a lot to the table.
1: Now continuity is key with a team like uh, AJ Foyt, which needs every advantage they possibly can. And I think you bring in a a, a veteran guy like uh, like Santino Ferrucci, you bring him back rather, and he gives you some comfort in that we know what the expectations are, we know what the limitations are of, of Santino Ferrucci, but what he can do. 19th in points last year. Um, I think year two can be better for the team and Ferrucci, and that's why I think it was important for them to at least bring him back because I look at that Stingray Rob quite frankly as a non-factor to be honest maybe he surprises this year and opens my eyes but I just I, I just see him as a seat filler to be honest I feel bad for Benjamin Peterson then again he had an opportunity to prove something last year and really couldn't could we see Benjamin Peterson bat back in that car if Ferrucci struggles after Indy if the money not there who knows but a confusing situation was made clear with the announcement of Ferrucci
0: and Larry Foyt uh, said that the contract, the multi-year contract with Benjamin Peterson, it was announced, uh, again, going into the 2023 season, lapsed. So, Ferrucci gets the ride, Peterson completely out, no number 55 Chevy running in 2024. And whether that means the check didn't clear, too much crash damage, or, or something, you was a you lot know. of crash
1: damage. <laughs> That's I, I for mean, sure.
0: th- it's... Could be a multitude of factors, but that is the reason why uh, Peterson is not back with the team for
1: 2024. But a, a multi-year deal, but he was only with the team for one year. So but clearly they had
0: terms in the contract that True. he did not meet.
1: And and maybe, yes, I'm sure. So the, the funding could,
0: could easily be one where you have to provide X amount of funding to continue. Right. You mentioned the crash damage, and if they're not able to make up for that cost, also comes back to funding, right? Right. So there are several factors at play. And obviously, what, he crashed at the Indy 500, right? So, I mean, that's going to cost you a fortune to begin with. Yes, it was late in the race. Yeah. But, um, that's going to cost you a lot of money.
1: I mean, when your top finish is 15th over the course of a season and you're 27th overall in points.
0: Last among drivers who competed in every race yeah, last it's, season. Yeah, it's
1: tough to make a case that you deserve another year in the seat. And with Stingray Rob, like imagine what that line if you had Stingray Rob and Benjamin Peterson. Ooh man, if we're talking trying to grow this team with the alliance, the relationship they have now with Penske, those aren't the two guys that I want to go into a season with my first year with Penske under. And and I think that's why it was the important thing to get Ferrucci back. I think he's a um he's a good guy to have in the paddock. Love him or hate him. Even in with 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 drivers in the paddock, I think he's he's good to be happy to to be around. It's good to be uh, in the series. I like it. I like Ferrucci, and uh, a good deal for Foyt. We'll see if he can grow uh, after that 19th place finish last year.
0: And again, the Indy 500 was the highlight for Ferrucci in that Foyt program. It was. Getting speed a it was they getting showed. a podium, mm-hmm. uh, the speed both cars had at Indy, but outside of Indy, it still was a struggle. Uh, his best finish was an 11th at Long Beach. He also had a 13th at Gateway. And that was it as far as top 15 finishes last season. He didn't have any top fives or any top tens. It was just that podium finish at Indy, which of course they don't have an actual podium there, but a right. third place is is huge for a small team at Indy. That Penske partnership is is made this ride a lot more attractive. Hopefully that's also made it so they can get more sponsors and that they can hire... You know, better, more experienced crew. I mean, that's everything, and I think it will be very fascinating to see how they roll off the truck. Not just the results for St. Pete as far as the race, but really just the first practice session. Like, are we seeing yeah. a noticeable improvement from what they do year over year at St. Pete, or is it kind of the same, same as usual?
1: Well, I think that's going to be huge, and we we thought maybe after the podium last year that Foyt could 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 use that to boost them in the second half of the season. It never really happened. But can they take the information they used last year and now add the resources, however much or little it is, with Penske and and put that to work? So I think having a a veteran driver in Ferrucci is of paramount importance to maximize that potential, and it's good to have him back.
0: Absolutely, And, and we'll see what they can do with it. But it feels promising. When you have continuity, as you mentioned, for that number one seat, the 14 car, which is the car they really care about at Foyt, and to be able to bring him back on. And Ferrucci clarified in content days he's not bringing funding. He's, he's showing a, he's up. A paid he, he, he said he's showing up with his hair and his race suit <laughs> and his helmet, which I thought was great. Um, the team's intention is to run him full time, but he's just showing up. As himself, and that's promising because he's a driver that I think has done enough to earn a full-time ride on talent and merit alone.
1: Well, you know how you get more support, more money, more funding is put up some results, and we'll see if he can put up some results in the first half of the year. It can't be wait till. Indy to really show case what they can do. Hopefully they see it and we're not talking podiums here. I think we're seeing you know a couple top tens yeah. mixed in the first five, six, seven races. I think that would be progress and we'll see if it can happen.
0: We shall see, but at least it's, it's promising to have some continuity and I think you have to feel good about what's happening there. So that was the big driver news. Well, we've been off all this time in terms of 2024 um, other news to, to get to updates on Texas and what could come there. We'll get to that a bit later on in the show. Um new teams that could enter. So we knew Pratt and Miller's interested and they're still exploring all opportunities. As far as Pratt Miller Engineering, they're working toward an IndyCar program goal of launching in 2025. So they're not ready to confirm according to racer that they're going to be on the grid, but they're working on that IndyCar program. So it's good to have another team interested. But then we got news uh, as well that there's another team interested. And this one is fascinating because Prima, which is one of the top European teams outside of teams competing in F1 itself. um, They've won F2 championships with Charles Leclerc, Mick Schumacher, Oscar Piastri, um, European Le Mans series LMP2 title in 2022. I mean, this is one of the top teams in Europe. And they're considering an expansion into the U.S. with an IndyCar program as well. Uh, they've had numerous IndyCar alums compete for the team. Marcus Armstrong, Felix Rosenquist as well, along with, you, you go back, Ryan Briscoe, Stefano Coletti. Remember him? I do. A hot had moment. One good, one good result and yes. then a crash-filled season for KV. Yep. What was that, like 2012, 2013? that oh, man, that... that.
1: I was going to say 2016, 2017, but I think, I think it's I think further you're right. back. Yeah, I think, I think you're uh, right.
0: Callum Ilott, Charlie Kimball, Carlos Munoz, among some of the other IndyCar alums, but Felix Rosenquist telling Racer that he he said they're the best team in Europe outside of F1, so that's a pretty high bar. And what I find interesting, Racer reporting that former Aero McLaren and Hall Letterman-Lanigan racing team executive Piers Phillips has been recruited by Prima, to help out in this transition. Again, earliest they would compete would be 2025. So we have an interesting discussion. We have new teams interested. Yes. They come with a lot of credibility. Pratt Miller, Primo, Abel. Yeah. Is that Pareto Abel, Motorsport just hanging out and see if they can. Able have- looking to go full time in 2025. RC Anderson essentially confirmed for the Indy 500. He was there at content days with his fire suit representing Abel. So that I mean that pretty much confirms yeah, it. Yeah, he'll be in. So he'll be competing for the Indy five hundred this year once again with Abel. And so we have three named teams that want to join IndyCar. We already have twenty seven full time entries. It's an interesting problem well, to it have. Is, it is a problem to
1: have. For the longest time, and and Jay Fry has has said this multiple times, you know, one of his primary focuses was getting the car count up. They've gotten the car count up. Now I'm kind of looking at it, and it used to be news of another team looking to get in the series was hugely exciting. Now, um, my first thought is, where are they going to go? Um, You can't show up at most races with 31, 32 cars, full-timers, which if all of these deals work out, that's where you would be. With all of the issues presented in the series car count is no longer one of them yes granted i would love to have these two teams in but we don't necessarily need no more cars on the grid right now is this could this constitute negative talk because i have a i have a stopwatch going (laughs) are you serious yes we're just over 11 minutes into to no negative talk um I'm 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 really dangerously close to the line, but I think when when you look at it overall, it is great that the the series is still accessible to so many teams or interested teams. That's a great thing, but the problem is, is you have OEMs supplying the series that are losing their asses on engine leases and technology and performance development and in and just basically investing in the series
0: i mean an engine lease these days goes for anywhere from what 1.25 million to 1.5 million essentially that's yes that's kind of the reported range that we understand
1: and and my thing is and 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 i don't know maybe somebody obvious out there can tell me why this wouldn't be so let's say you have 27 28 full-time cars okay you have a multiple amount of interested parties in the series why wouldn't the series go you know what for Honda and Chevy's sake, we're going to raise the cost of an engine lease to two million dollars, and you'll probably price out some teams, or at least some teams that are like, "Well, we we can't run three cars; we're going to only run two, or we're not going to run five cars."
0: Good assy. we're going to run three. Well, here's the thing: like we worry about car counts in every off season, like. Oh, we're going to have 20 full-time cars or we could, there's a possibility an outside shot of 30 full-time cars. We've had this growing the last several years, but it never pans out that way for one. And the other thing is as much as we talk about the addition, unfortunately there is usually also subtraction when it comes to the grid Uh, teams downsizing a car or going away altogether rides and funding completely drying up. I mean, do we really think Ganassi is going to be running five cars nah, again a in 2025? Thing. I don't think so.
1: Unless they finish one
0: through five in the standings. <laughs> yeah. But I think, um,
1: and I've said it before on the oh, podcast. Oh, and McLaren wants
0: a fourth car too. We right. forgot to mention that.
1: Um, you know, I've said it before on the podcast. If, if it came out tomorrow and said that the, all of a sudden the bottom five drivers for full-time rides in 2024 are gone and we're starting 22 cars, I don't think you lose anything in terms of the competition in the series quite frankly. So if all of a sudden you go from 27, 28 to 30, 31, like what are we really adding to the
0: series? The other thing is Penske is very interested in trying to get a charter system going for teams. This is probably a lot more fuel for that fire to get this to happen. Obviously it's not happening for 2024. I don't know if it's even happening for 2025. No, but it the, sounds the, like they the team don't owners the and stakeholders doing. have to find a way to make that happen. If they want that to happen. Right where they agree on something and, and, and lay it out because I don't think that's been a good deal for NASCAR. I mean, essentially it's, it's, been it's lucrative for the teams. Yeah. Lucrative went out for the teams that went out, but I don't think it's been lucrative and enticing new teams. I think that's one thing that IndyCar has going for itself is it's a low cost of entry because you have an old chassis. You have an old engine formula. You don't have a lot of updates. Yes. The hybrid is coming, but that will be a, an expense for teams. When they come in that, the current teams have already dealt with. So I guess it's added in the cost. Yeah. Well, so the, that, that makes it so that you can add more teams, which I'm not saying that's necessarily a good thing. I, I'm very much in the playbook of 25 to 28 full-time cars is a sweet that's, spot.
1: That's that's a perfect number. I don't think if you're any, if you're hitting 30, I think that's too many, my opinion. But I think also is the fact that IndyCar does not have a dedicated plan out there that say, we're going to have a new chassis and this year is enticing more teams because they're like, well, hey, if we buy two tubs, three tubs right now, it ain't gonna, it's going to be at least three years until we have to upgrade. If if they came out tomorrow and said in 2026, there's going to be a new chassis, I guarantee you that a fair amount of those teams interested would say, you know, well, we're going to wait till 2026. Yes. But the fact that there's no multi-year plan for IndyCar tells these teams that we can go out and, and buy tubs, and part of that is a good thing, right? But I think there's a fundamental issue with your series if it's become very affordable for teams to enter the series relatively affordable yet your OEMs are losing their ass like, that doesn't make sense well it's because
0: it's not spread out uh, among I mean if it was three or four OEMs correct this problem wouldn't exist that's why
1: I think if, 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 if all of a sudden they said you know what you guys have enough cars in this series you have enough teams either in the series or interested in the series cost of these engine leases are going to go up to two million dollars I guess I wouldn't have a problem with it. I, I know there's some teams out there that are going to cry foul. I know oh, you're pricing us out. I get it. But my thing is, there's more than enough teams that are interested in this series.
0: Also, how many times have these same teams cried foul for oh, years and years, foul. and years and years and they still show they're up? They're still right? here. So And the other thing to keep in mind, and this also came out during content days here this week, but Mark Miles telling Speed Sport that leader circle payments to the top 22 full-time entrants... In the series will increase substantially in twenty twenty four. Now, that <laughs> amount just, was not revealed. And what does that mean? Is I it remember, going back up to what it usually was? Correct. Like it was cut last year for increased marketing. So is it going back to what it was before, or does substantially mean no, it's going up above and beyond that? Well, I, I yeah. assume it's going up above and beyond well, you never know. what it was prior to the, the cut last year. But well, either way, that's a good sign.
1: Yes, but let's say there's a let's take a arbitrary ten million dollar pool of money and last year we know that they took from the um leader circle to invest in marketing are they just reallocating the same amount of money and putting more money this year into the leader circle or are they actually investing more money in the series proper who knows if we can get an answer to that uh but, but you know coming back really quick to 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 the the, the question about engine leases if you raise the cost is if tomorrow they came out and said there's two, it's a two million dollar engine lease now, it's going up half a million dollars or something, and AJ Foyt came out, uh, AJ Foyt Racing came out and said, you know what, we can't afford that, we're done. I guess I wouldn't have much of a problem with it
0: because it, I'd be surprised if if that was right. The but I'm saying point.
1: hypothetically, if, if if you make that move to, and, and and Honda comes out and says, yeah, okay, cool, that 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 makes us uh, not lose as much money and we're back in solid. I think that's a good decision. Whether you lose Foyt or any, like just if you lost two teams after making that decision and it shores up Honda's uh, investment in the series, I think that's a
0: good move. And as always, it always comes back to the third OEM. It does. But I'm saying, you know, if we, if we joke about, we've joked about this for years, but like legitimately everything is happening any car right now yeah. comes back to a, a third OEM, everything.
1: I, my, my thing is if, if, if you can put more money in the pockets of the OEMs of Honda and Chevy and the, and the, 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 the field shrinks to 24, 25 cars, that's, that's a win. In my opinion, I will sacrifice. And it's easy for me to say, I will sacrifice car count to make Honda and Chevy happy. I don't own a, own a car, a, a team. I'm not a, a diehard fan of one particular team. If this team or that team went away tomorrow because of this, it wouldn't hurt my feelings. I think the priorities need to be Honda and Chevy. I don't think they've been priorities. We've talked about that before. But if the series said, you know what? Yeah, we're down. Raise the cost of each engine lease $500,000 per lease. I'd be fine with it because if two teams disappear right now, it sounds like there are teams ready to step up, buy their equipment and invest in the series.
0: Absolutely. And we'll, we'll see what they do because they're going to have to do something uh, in terms of trying to keep Honda and Chevy both happy. If they can't land that third OEM for 2026, which at this point, the timeline is next to impossible. I mean, essentially the, what the Indy 500 would, would be the cutoff date to have that announced and, Again, by the time something like that's announced, they're probably already working on stuff. It's just a matter of the the public release of yeah, the information.
1: I still think it comes back to just going to the new CEO at Toyota and just, what do we got to do? Yeah. What do we begging. Do? You tell us. Yeah, begging. Like on the floor, on your knees, begging. Please, uh, please, One please. note I
0: forgot to get to about Able Motorsports. Uh, they will be at the April Open Test. I don't ah. believe they were last year. I don't think so, though. So that that's is a, a big step forward for that program in 2024 as a one-off for the Indianapolis 500. So that's a look at some of the team news in terms of driver uh, alignment and new teams interested. And then we also got this announcement. Not a surprise, but IndyCar and iRacing have agreed to a multi-year licensing agreement. They are now reunited. This is good news, but at the same time, should have never left.
1: Yeah, and it sounds like a more lucrative deal too, more... More inve- i don't know if investments the right word—but more commitment from I think IndyCar in terms of the licensing and all that stuff. I mean, I'm not into iRacing, but I know a fair amount of people are, and this is this is not a like you said, this is like a big addition to the series because it should have never went away. But it was it was it's a step in the right direction because it was terrible that it went away in the first place. But uh, it's kind of rectifying a wrong more than anything, and it's good to see. I know a fair amount of people are going to be excited out there, um, including many of our listeners that, that are big into racing. you and I aren't, but it, it's a good thing it, in terms of, of, um, you know, reaching different people based on their interests and, and racing is a big interest for a lot of people is, is, is getting your sport out to them. Their racing is, is a huge deal. So,
0: well, and again, this is, this is a platform for sim racing fans and IndyCar wasn't on it. I mean, they were before, but then they they dropped out. So now they're back. The iRacing Indianapolis 500, which is a very popular event, is coming back on. It'll be IndyCar Series branding of the series on iRacing, multiple leagues to run IndyCar Series events on iRacing, license extension of Indianapolis Motor Speedway, I mean, they and say the licensing like, agreement went into effect immediately.
1: Yeah, and they say they have like thousands of people that race like the five hundred events. Like oh the, yeah, the Indy five hundred. Like that's and, nuts. and
0: the the iRacing Indianapolis five hundred details will be available later this month on that event.
1: Oh, it's a big community, a big deal. It was a big deal when it went away, and it is righting a wrong in a lot of ways for IndyCar. So well done.
0: An event you could run in iRacing, but not in in real life in IndyCar at least Texas? in twenty twenty four. Yeah, Texas yes. Motor Speedway. Interesting article on motorsport.com, Joey Barnes with the write up IndyCar could look beyond just TMS when it potentially returns to the Lone Star State in twenty twenty-five. That's so, from the article and from Mark Miles. So what do we
1: how do we take that? Because I think immediately your mind goes to Coda. Yes. But would there be a street race?
0: Well, that's where sort? this article gets fascinating. So N C T data, which is of course the the I mean, their parent company, NTT, is the, the title sponsor of the series. And then NTT Data has sponsored cars. They've sponsored uh, the Texas race. Their HQ is in Plano, about 40 miles east of TMS. So that's an obvious fit. But then mm-hmm. Circuit of America's had that one race in 2019. 2020 race was, was canceled. They did have spring training there in 2019 and 2020. They've not gone back. I'd be surprised, but Barnes goes into this. At the end of 2018, rumors of the series exploring the possibility of adding a street race in San Antonio, but then that was later muted to an IndyCar added coda, which is fascinating. And then another thing, um, high-ranking representative within the sport told Motorsport.com. Barnes writes of some talk being stirred up for a race focus on the streets around AT&T Stadium, which is of course the home of the Dallas Cowboys, which is in Arlington about south of Texas Motor Speedway. Uh, but just, then that idea has quieted down. This sounds a
1: lot like Houston, doesn't it? Yeah, the stadium, Never really took off, I guess.
0: You know, and, and Miles dismissed that. He said, I haven't talked to Jerry Jones, the owner of the Cowboys, since I was chairman of our Super Bowl in 2012 in mm. Indianapolis as part of the Super Bowl host, host committee and his role there. So I, I don't know if there's a whole lot there. But with Pato Award in the series... With a major sponsor in the series, just go back to TMS. Find a way to make it work. I understand why they couldn't make it work this year, but they made it sound like, oh, we'll, we'll be back. And of course, we know how those things work. Right. We, we take it with a grain of salt because there are no guarantees, especially when it comes to racing and scheduling events. So it was a shame that it was left off the schedule for this year. Now you just wonder, will it ever come back? Well, And with, this... and with Eddie Gossage, not a part of it right. anymore either. That makes it even tougher. This
1: could also be posturing from IndyCar as saying, okay, maybe there's some other interested parties that could approach us. I think if you came out and said in January of 2024 that we're returning to TMS in 2025, any interested folks that maybe would entertain a street race or even CODA would say, okay, well, that ship has sailed because they're going back to TMS. So maybe this is just IndyCar know well, they're like well maybe there's somebody out there that, that will reach out from san antonio or jerry jones or something and 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 see that so i would hope we don't come around in 2025 and there's no racing in texas i would kind of almost be disappointed that there was no tms because this team this series desperately needs oval races i don't think a street race in san antonio or arlington really does it for me you know my brilliant idea with the border crossing grand prix <laughs> which would be the el paso ciudad juarez street course half in u.s half in mexico because that fulfills your mexico race it's putting it out there but no but you know seriously i still expect them to be back in twenty twenty five at tms i just think maybe this is keeping the door open for any interested parties that are kicking around maybe putting together some sort of street
0: race in texas so that's the the latest in terms of Texas Motor Speedway and its future on the schedule. And one other headline item I want to get to, and this is it was shocking when it happened, and it's it's still hard to believe. But Gilles De two thousand three Indy Five Hundred winner, multi-time cart champion, really one of the the great drivers that unfortunately. Started right before the split happened and then was, you know, caught up in the cart and IRL war. At least he was able to compete at India a couple of times, get an Indy 500 win because he was an all time talent. Uh, But he passed away of a heart attack over the holidays. And again, sending our thoughts to his family. Just just shocking news uh, to happen. Well, and
1: how it happened too in terms of it sounds like he was racing with his son mm-hmm. and TK and his son and uh had a heart attack while they were racing or 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 after or whatever karting uh and yeah karting and 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 passed away and it was just uh brutal and even TK coming up or saying a, a couple of days after that basically a reminder to go you know to the doctor regularly because he said you know Jill just it, he he didn't do that and no matter how good a shape you are in or how good a shape you think you are in uh, regular doctor visits, um, when you get to that age, mid fifties is important and it's just tough, man. Jill Farron was one of the, the good dudes, not even not, not just as a driver, but in the paddock going forward and, and working with Penske and, and working with uh, McLaren as well uh, was, was, was pretty cool and uh, tough to see him pass away uh, at the concourse club
0: yes yeah, so a like a private motorsport club in Florida so just uh, stunning news just 56 years old uh, again 2000-2001 cart champion 2003 uh, Indy 500 winner as well and also let's not forget driver the fastest closed course lap yeah and over 241 miles per hour at California Speedway. Rest in peace to that as well. Yeah, and
1: you don't know. I mean, you look at Jill Farron, and, and soon after he was he retired in the early 2010s, he jumped into team ownership.
0: Mm-hmm. Had yeah. a lot of success in sports cars after leaving any car at the yep. top. I mean, he was just yeah. 35 when he left in 2003 and took runner-up in the championship and then went to have a ton of success in the American Le Mans series. Uh, with his team, and Simon Pagino, you know, raced with him. They they had a lot of success there in that series, and then he went in F1 as a sporting director for Bar Honda, you know, worked with Lusco Dragon Racing, mm-hmm. which was Jay Pinsky's they, they combined, right? Team. It was DeFerrin yeah. Dragon. And then they were gonna r- run a, a, a car, they combined, and then the team rebranded. Uh, DeFerrin was gonna actually run a car for TK, right? And then that that fell through unfortunately, but uh just really hard to believe and and for me it's it's weird because the first Indy 500 i attended was 2003 really so it's just kind of weird to think about that here we are just over 20 years later and he's no longer with us
1: and very instrumental too in the development of the current chassis the DW12 he named after Dan Weldon but Jill Farron was very involved in the what was it the iconic committee is what they called it with um, the development of the DW-12 and the new tub and chassis. So just a tough, tough, tough loss. I think he was a guy that was a a value to the series on the track, off the track, in the paddock, whether he was in his 30s, 40s, 50s, I mean, still around and could have eventually, I, I think, maybe become a team president of some sort for a team or, or developed a team again, tried. So just tough to see and um, definitely will be missed.
0: And there's a really good article uh, by Nathan Brown of the Indie Star, indystar.com, talking about TK kind of reflecting on his friend, Jill DeFerrin. And, you know, Jill had told him uh, back during the Vegas Grand Prix kickoff and everything. DeFerrin told him, I don't feel good. Mm. And it's, just, you know, you kind of wonder after that. And Brown goes into details how he got a text from his buddy Rubens Barrichello, longtime F1 driver and and teammate in IndyCar for a bit as well. You know, is everything okay with Jill? And then, you know, he's on a flight and he can't really, you know, you can't make calls and can't do a lot of thing. And then, um, he, he, he's texting Elio and, and Elio said, call him. And he, obviously he knew that was, it was bad then, but so it's just, man, it's just brutal. And for, someone like Canon to, to race as long as he did. And, you know, Greg Moore and Dan Weldon and now Jill, now Jill, it's just, Especially it's, it's hard being to believe
1: there mm-hmm. and, and being a part of, of everything uh, going down. So it's really tough, but I mean, it's a lesson to everybody is like, you know, Jill DeFern by all, by all indications was a fit dude for 55, 56 years old. But, um, you know, it's a silent killer, man. If you don't feel good, go to the doctor.
0: Absolutely. And I know. Do you, Do you have like a memory? I mean, for me, it's obvious. It's the two thousand three Indy five hundred. But do you have a Jill DeFerrin memory or well, something that stands out to you?
1: No, I think the first one, well, the first thing that comes to mind still after all these years with Jill and Elio was them at Penske. And it, yeah, and, and it was like a super Red. team. I mean, yeah, it very much was. I mean, when I think of you know the top tandems that I've experienced in IndyCar since I started really following it, was it started with Elio and Jill. I mean, that was that was the super team you know and and you know Marlboro and blazoned all over the place and then of course that eventually just became Penske Racing but the red and white and those guys in red red uh racing suits and all that I mean that's immediately what I come to mind after all these years when I think of both of them Jill DeFerrin and Elio Castronemis I mean there was a time where I just assumed that both of those guys won every race in IndyCar just because of how dominant they were it was very much in my mind the current Red Bull Racing of IndyCar was those two and um it was a great time and um unfortunately now we're gonna have to go on without jill
0: and you know i think of in his first year in car i mean he had that iconic pinzoil car right you know that yeah. he started out with and was it hall vds racing went to walker and then pinsky just for a handful of years but had so much success in just such a a short career with pinsky yeah he only made 31 starts in the IndyCar series the IRL. mm-hmm you
1: know, before that, of course, it was, you know, PPG and cart and all that stuff. Yes. But, um, only 31. But even then, uh, five wins in the IRL. Had seven wins in IndyCar slash cart. And uh, what, back-to-back championships, 2000, 2001. Just a, a world champion 03 uh, with cart. So won the 500, of course, that year as well. So just a, a well-established guy that was a big part of IndyCar even now and
0: just terrible news. Absolutely. All right. Well, that uh, wraps up the, the news portion as far as the headlines for this week. If you agree or disagree with us on anything, we'd love for you to interact with us. You can always find us at newtrackrecordpodcast.com. While you're there, sign up for the email list. It is free to sign up for and follow us. You'll get weekly emails of our new episodes and any other special announcements. Also, while you're there, check out the store. We have t-shirts and stickers for sale as well uh you can also reach us on social media indycar podcast on instagram on twitter slash x on facebook just search for new track record and you can also email us new track record podcast at gmail.com you can support us via patreon patreon.com slash new track record thanks to xavier and others for their monthly support and as always follow us uh, on your favorite podcasting platform, free to download: Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Amazon, wherever you listen to podcasts. Again, all for free. Mailbag time, and not really a ton to get to, despite you know the the long layoff that we have had. And content days, content yeah, days. We have a lot to get to from content days. Okay, a lot of. A lot of little things. A lot when did of it go from things. media days to content days? Just a couple of years ago? Yeah, a few years ago. I mean, okay. social media, right? They I mean, yeah. just trying to change it up, but there's really not like a lot in terms of uh, not much stuff content to get to.
1: from content days. I no. guess, like like concrete things.
0: Yes, but we'll and and it. not a lot in our mailbag either. So yeah. um, you posted this about you know what does Pinsky have over other top team owners to keep them quiet? which we're all kind of wondering the same thing. Marshall Prude even said as much in the racer.com mailbag one of the weeks where it's like, they'll say all this stuff, you know, behind backs privately, but then when yeah. it comes to public statements, it's all hunky-dory. Everything is awesome. Um, DC Soda said, you mean the people that literally own IndyCar and IMS? I'm not seeing the confusion here. Well, it's just more of like... What are they going to do? That's yeah. my question. Like, what, not gonna what, kick what are them they out. afraid of? Like, IndyCar is full of
1: instances where team ownership challenged what the series was doing and not draft. I'm not talking about, uh, you know, drastic steps. I'm just saying like being able to speak out and speak your mind about potential issues they see in the series. Like what does Roger Penske and the Penske Corp have on some powerful ass dudes? When you talk about Chip Ganassi and Zach Brown and, and Michael Andretti and Bobby Rahal, what does, do they have to keep those guys, towing the company line like basically corporate shills is what they are Mm -hmm. like what what is the threat here they're not going to kick them out they're not going to what are they going to do they're going to fine them millions of dollars for speaking their speaking out they're not going to do that either yeah that's terrible press yeah I'm just like so what is it I don't understand like when when Holman and company was running everything when it was Randy Bernard when it was you know whoever uh, Tony George like there was plenty of people speaking out team owners like they're notorious for see me i mean even as recently as when we started this podcast it was always the running joke was you know team owners were always pissed off about something (laughs) they would let you know what they were pissed off about even though if everything was hunky dory on the outside now it's this projection of everything has hunky dory in the inside but it's not and the team owners just are refusing to speak out and i just wonder like why the muzzle on these guys
0: because no negative talk in 2024 just i I don't know (laughs) what the threat is and, and
1: Chip Ganassi is like a dude that does not take kindly to threats whatsoever. I mean, no. that dude well, is
0: considering how he took shots at Zach Brown. Right. You know, uh, is, everything that went down.
1: Those guys aren't known as dudes that are just going to tow the company line and be shills. And it just seems like that's what they are. And I, 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 I and I don't know what even Marshall Pruitt says that that's happening, uh, but nobody it, can it's, tell it's me shocking.
0: why. Pinsky must have so much dirt on like, everyone why else. Does he,
1: I just don't get it. Does he have text? Does he have Sex? I don't know. Like, like seriously, like, <laughs> what do you have against these dudes that is making them fall in line and be corporate shills?
0: Uh, Jeff Sraneski said after two splits, I think the current team owners understand that splitting and forming a new series is not the answer. No, that's a, I'm not that's saying not, they split. Yeah, no, I'm just <laughs>
1: I'm just saying they they can't even speak out against issues, and I'm not talking like huge issues, but you know if they came out and said well you know the 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 of course you can never talk about uh the leader circle but what if they came out and said leader circle is you know i think in a perfect world indycar would would be supporting the top 25 finishers or we need more money in that to to keep current teams and entries around like that's not attacking the series but it's just suggest- like they can't even make suggestions publicly
0: uh this shared with us from beans B-Card blog saying that you might like this, and it's from NASCARman underscore RR on, on Twitter saying, I thought this was an interesting question for what races are good examples of the best of IndyCar, so I totaled up the responses. 120 answers listing a specific race. 83% were ovals. 49% Indy 500s. Excluding Indy, 74% were tracks. IndyCar doesn't race at. With 12 responses, 2015 Fontana was the top race. That's no surprise. Hmm. Yeah, That's what I would have guessed.
1: Yeah, I mean, just interesting result. I mean, once again, people love ovals, but don't go to them. Yeah, that's true. Did we talk? Speaking of ovals, did we talk about last podcast about the musical acts coming to Iowa? Yes. Okay. Yeah,
0: making sure that was that was so last year. Well, <laughs> totally, <laughs>
1: literally. I can't remember what the hell I did last week. It's been three <laughs> weeks since we had a podcast.
0: Uh, you you posted your border crossing Grand Prix El Paso Ciudad Juarez. Street course, half in U.S., half in Mexico. And Poet Shevchenko said, pit crews will be four tiremen, one jackman, one backup jackman, and one customs agent. Yes, very <laughs> much. That was a
1: witty text. I was that hoping was Jenna Fryer would pick up on that and maybe uh, really start a movement, but uh, didn't go anywhere. But the Border Crossing Grand Prix, Do you want to
0: come up with unique events for IndyCar that'll get people watching. couple you know. of replies on Santucci back at Foy for 2024. Mom, 2X over 2002. Best news, I've seen all this off season. So excited for this. Jeremy from HBG says Dale Coin's phone is surely ringing from wherever Peterson lives. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Good
0: stuff. Yeah, yeah. Coin's still TBA. Uh, my guess would be Devlin D. Francesco and some driver that is nowhere near on the radar. You think? That's my guess. Yeah, very well could be. Um, That's usually how they roll. Yeah, and you posted why is IndyCar content days so early, January 10th and 11th couple days being in the limelight then you disappear for another two months when having it in mid late february make more sense archie o'reilly underscore said wondering exactly the same thing and he was covering uh indycar content days so uh, i believe so for project dive bomb but yeah it it is fascinating and it just is curious why that was the move that was made is it
1: is it an event that they typically have done? Like, I understand NBC wanting to get everybody in one place early on. They yeah. can work on on the, the spots and profiles and pictures and videos and bumpers and all that stuff. I get that. Um, do they just look at it and say, okay, we're just going to do that and invite the media and do it all? Yeah, it's
0: essentially a social media event for right. two days.
1: I'm just kind of thinking like this is, so you're in the limelight for a couple days and then you're gone for the next six to eight weeks yeah I, it, kind of I mean you're understand. gone until the
0: open test There's which I don't even think that's been confirmed right not yet not the not that I can recall now the expectation is it's once again at uh thermal thermal but what I don't do think, think like it's been f- confirmed
1: February something like that I mean yeah. you just kick off the season on what 14th of March mm-hmm around there just wondering why we're doing this in early January
0: uh, a couple replies so I I posted because you got to remember it's Andretti Global now yes so which you, Andretti Global Race Team, hmm. AGR. Poet Shevchenko said that's a fresh new name. A word synonymous with fresh and new is green. <laughs> like team Green. Yes. And A-G-R. Marty Williams, 63, said that's cool. Cool with a K, which was that's a great response. Very <laughs> well good.
1: Well done. A the the couple people picked up on that.
0: Yes, absolutely. All right. So that wraps up the mailbag and abbreviated edition. Uh, we get to news and notes, and a lot of news and notes from IndyCar content days that we'll get to, and this couple other driver things as well, and let's start off, though, going back a couple of driver announcements and Indy Lights. Uh, again, we, we're we still going to keep calling it Indy Lights.
1: Yeah, it's always going to be Indy Lights here.
0: Uh, Niels Coolen is set with HMD, so again, 10 drivers for their lineup. <laughs> That's more than last year. Didn't they have nine last year? I think so. I think one of them, though, is is part-time. Okay. But Niels Kuhlen is set with HMD, uh, 22-year-old Dutch driver. He'll drive the number 33, eighth confirmed driver for the team. But I believe they're going to have 10. Uh, Also, Lindsay Brewer, going from USF Pro 2000 to Indy Lights with Hunkos Hollinger Racing. We knew that was probably on the cards because she tested uh, a couple months ago as well. So... Got a big social media following. Her advisor is Peter Rossi, Alexander's uh, father. Oh, really? Found that interesting as well. So He has a sizable following on social media, not necessarily for her racing acumen. <laughs> and we'll leave say it at that. Say that. that.
1: So, <laughs> if you know, you know.
0: If you don't know, look her up. And then we have a couple of driver announcements for the Rolex 24. Kevin Simpson will be there with Dragon Speed. Uh, Alex Pillow. Will be there. Not that this is a surprise, but he will be there with Ganassi and the Cadillac team, right? That's what what they are right now. Uh, yeah, I think so. Um, so more and more drivers. It's hard to believe, but we're like what two weeks away essentially from that event. Is that right? Uh Two weeks or three weeks? I think we're three weeks away.
1: Right? It's January eleventh, right now as we speak. So I think it's January.
0: It is January twenty. Okay, yeah. So we're like three weeks away. Twenty okay? seventh. Well, I mean, two weeks from Saturday. Yeah, yeah, the, right. Tw- yeah. 28th, let's see. Yeah, no, that is two weeks away. It's hard to believe. Man. Well, the good thing
1: is we can get through January reasonably quick. Then we're only facing February. Yeah, I mean, once you, you get to the Rolex
0: 24, thing. you feel like you're getting close. And then Daytona, even closer. Yes. And then uh, hopefully the thermal test and then St. Pete and you're there. Several other notes from content days. So, bus bros, no more. Aw. But... Scott McLaughlin said, yes, there will certainly be another chapter. Hmm. A rebranding of sorts? Perhaps. it hmm. Maybe really Scott McLaughlin solo. Ah. Because Joseph Newgarden and Brian Simpson split the dream digital. Oh. And creative. So that's why bus bros is going away. Ah. Oh. Uh, also, Kiffin Simpson will have the number four for Ganassi joining a, a list of all time greats at Ganassi and including none other than Alexander or, or not Alexander. Um, yeah. Uh, Zanardi, Alexander, Alex Zanardi, yes. but he doesn't go by Alexander. So I was, yes. I was getting confused. You can with call him driver. Alex.
1: Maybe his parents call him Alexander. Perhaps Ziner, when he's in
0: trouble, Alexander, Bruno and Kara also among some of those drivers. Uh, there are a few other big names. Uh, Brian Herta, I think had number four as well when he was with Ganassi. So pretty big also from one Ganassi driver to another, the number 11, Ganassi car Marcus Armstrong, Angela Ashmore, only the third lead female engineer in IndyCar history. She will lead that car, so that's good news there. Uh, Marcus Erickson, who has a new sponsor, Delaware Life, which is under the Gamebridge umbrella. Uh Uh, Midnight Blue fire suit, so it should be a cool-looking car. They sponsored Grosjean in a couple of races, I think, last season. I believe
1: so. Uh,
0: But Olivier Boisson will continue with that entry and will be Marcus Erickson's engineer. So most, it's a big get there.
1: Most fun name to say
0: for me in IndyCar. Oh, yes. Olivier Boisson. Fully, fully agree. Olivier Boisson. Uh, also, you can pretty much guarantee 100 Days to Indy is going to continue because Nathan Brown uh, tweeted at Adam Marinelli, uh, who's the showrunner and co-executive producer for last year's edition of 100 Days to Indy was walking the halls during IndyCar content days. I think that's a good sign. I would say so. Oh, and I mentioned Alex Pillow. Um... Will be at the Rolex 24. So this team is absurd. Scott Dixon, Alex Pelot, Ringer Vanderzan, and Sebastian Bourdais.
1: <laughs> a murderer's row of dudes. And I'm still, it's going to take a little bit to get used to
0: Alex Pelot in, in, in DHL. DHL color, yeah. right? It is so weird. <laughs> it is it absolutely is so weird. weird. Let alone it's still weird for me to get too used to Ganassian sports cars driving Cadillac instead of. Uh, who were they with? Like Ford for a while? I think it was Ford, yeah. Yeah. That's still hard but for me yeah. to get, get used to. Hello in the yellow
1: DHL is just uh, bizarre. It's going to take some getting used to,
0: for sure. Elsewhere, Five Hour Energy announces a full season associate sponsor for Pietro Fittipaldi in the number 30 entry. It's a big land for, for Ray Hall, yeah. yeah. First time they've been back in motorsports since 2018. That wow. was in NASCAR, according to Adam Stern of Sports Business Journal. So, a pretty big get for the Ray Hall team. Uh, you have... We should probably get Stern on here pretty soon. Yeah. Like some- the, you feel like there's going to be some, some good news stuff. In fact, he also had this. IMS up by roughly 10,000 tickets for the 108th Indy 500 uh, versus comparable sales period last year. This was late December. So that would put it at over 225,000 people in attendance if the event were held you know, a couple weeks ago when this came out. So again... Making progress wouldn't shock me at all if this is a sellout. No, I agree, especially with
1: how close they came last year and you're 10,000 ahead of what you were mm-hmm. last year. So I think maybe we'll have Adam Stern on at least before the season starts to talk about some off-season stuff, some finance junk, especially if we get some more details on Leader Circle and then, of course, the looming TV deal. You would have to think uh, by March you're going to at least know who the players are going to be. We we think what we've heard is is NBC, CW, and Fox are the three primary. But what what you know are there are there numbers being thrown around or rumored at the very least? So we'll get Stern on to talk about a lot of those things.
0: And uh, another note on driver Zier Hildebrand wants to return to the Indy Five Hundred after missing out last year. Working on a five hundred return, what is interesting uh, the Foyt team who he's been with in the past. They're apparently locked in at two cars, which is a good move. They don't need any more than two. So, do not look for a third Foyt entry, which of course we we say that and then it seems like they come up with a third Foyt entry time and time again, but that was the understanding when they announced Ferrucci that there will not be a third Foyt entry and not a full-time entry and not even an Indy 500 only entry either.
1: Well, when you look at his, was it Polar Ecosystems? What was his sponsor? Is that a... Oh, Preferred Freezer? There you go,
0: Preferred Freezer. Th- that was a Carpenter sponsor.
1: Okay, so I didn't know if that was a personal sponsor for Hildebrand or if it was a Foyt or a, a Carpenter. I didn't know if he was going to be bringing money, potentially. Um, But it would be nice to see Hildebrand back. But who with? It won't be Foyt.
0: No. No, it will not. And we'll see... Uh... If he's able to land a ride, best of luck in his search. Uh, Gateway is offering this deal. that I think is pretty cool. Uh, family four pack for the August seventeenth night race. Again, the fact that that's a night race again, just fixing a problem that shouldn't have shouldn't have been a problem. should like a problem. Four tickets four hot dogs and sodas, two programs for one hundred and thirty bucks. So there you go. Pretty good. Bring the family. Sure, bring family four pack. Good deal uh, by them. And the Carlin name is going away Aww. in motorsport. Uh, they've been rebranded as Roden Motorsport out of the upcoming season after the departure of founder Trevor Carlin late so he's, last year.
1: I mean, I maybe I just have to do some more research on this. Like Trevor Carlin was a freaking lifer in racing. Yeah. Like, did he just reach the age where he that was going to be his retirement, his selling
0: the team? I don't know. I, I didn't even know that happened. So... Roden Cars, which is a New Zealand based track car manufacturer invested in 2023. This is according to Racer. Uh, Purchased the stake owned by Graham Chilton, which was again, he's the father of former F1 and IndyCar driver Max Chilton. And then the team was named Roden Carlin and then Roden assumed full control at the turn. So basically they bought him out. Right. It's the way I I see it. That's
1: why I kind of look at Prima uh, with talking about an IndyCar team and I'm like is this sounds pretty similar to what Carlin was. And we Mm -hmm. saw what I mean, is disaster the right word for Carlin's entry into IndyCar? Yeah,
0: uh, they bit off more than they could chew yeah. too quickly.
1: And I kind of look at Prima like, is it, could that be similar? You hope not if they do get into the series, but I see a lot of similarities between Carlin and Prima in the sense they've had exceptional amount of success in the European ladder, but weren't ready for IndyCar. And that was, I think, Carlin even dabbled in Indy Lights first. Did yes. they? A season? Yeah.
0: Chilton ran in lights for a season, won a a couple races, I think. Yeah, I mean... And then moved up to IndyCar with Kimball, and they had two full... I mean, the problem necessarily wasn't the driver lineup. I know that's what people want to point to. Because remember, Chilton ran um, with Ganassi in IndyCar as well. So they were in uh, Indy lights for... Uh, several years but the crew just had no live pit stop experience there it was an inexperienced crew in terms of any car and that's what really did them in
1: yeah i, I just look at it, i think i think when i'm looking at the the best and, and this is the problem is you never know what sponsors are going to be on board I, I really think the incremental step should be lights indie only and then you venture in yes. even not even from indie only to full time but maybe you do yeah, like Six, the Meyer Shank
0: method where yeah. five, ten,
1: full season. Yeah. Or or you don't if you don't want to do lights, then you go indie only, half a season, full season. I think I think jumping into IndyCar right now, feet first, uh from nothing to a full time team is not a good idea. Yes. That's why I look at Able Motorsports and say, okay, they're doing that progression thing. You see, you mentioned uh Shank and what Michael Shank was able to do. Junko's kind of a certain extent too. I think that's the proper way to go about it, but you know, coming to the IndyCar pool and jumping right into the deep end of the full-time uh, seat and, and schedule, especially if you have multiple cars, man, that's that's a lot, because you are, are very much trying to catch
0: up. And Pato Ward had a great answer. So he was not one of the five veteran drivers that was speaking highly about developments they learned about at a dinner with Pinsky Entertainment leadership on uh-huh. Tuesday night award was not there. Alexander Rossi was, Marcus Erickson, Scott Dixon, Joseph Newgarden mm, to be a fly and, on that wall. Uh, did I say Graham Rahal? No, you didn't. those were the the five. So they picked you know a driver from you know those teams. I'm cool. surprised they picked Rossi instead of. Pato, but maybe because they know potto's gonna speak his mind and not. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but maybe? Pato essentially said uh when you're speaking of growth change will usually rattle people's floor but when you don't evolve and when you don't change you will not grow mm. maybe that's why he didn't get that invite and mario andretti said fully agree with Pato." <laughs> sounds
1: like the uh um well, and 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 we've said it before, and and Marshall Pruitt put it more eloquently than that we ever can. But in the most recent mailbag, it's it's basically, you know, he he looked at it when Robin Miller had the mailbag, and now Marshall Pruitt for, the, for most of the time the mailbag's been around, it's been looked upon as a sounding offboard that it, it, IndyCar execs have looked at and respected, and say this is the pulse of the fan base, and the current ownership kind of looks at it as well, we've done this, this, and this with our business investments over the years, and look at us with all this money and all this capital. We know what we're doing. It doesn't matter what the fans think. That's kind of what this regime running IndyCar uh, is and treats the fans, and it's unfortunate. But uh, it sounds like, once again, they they want to hear a bunch of yes-men from the paddock as well.
0: Ian Ward gives us our tweet of the week, I guess really the last several weeks, but this came out this week. Uh, this from Jenna Fryer. Pato Ward says he shifted from IndyCar season to an intense F1 program and needed a solid 10 to 14 days off at end of year to recharge. That included, quotes, no chasing tail, end quote. That is a <laughs> phenomenal
1: quote from Pato Ward. It's going to be tough to beat this season. That's yeah. what I want to see from content days is an IndyCar driver going, you know what, basically, I wasn't trying to hook up for a good two weeks. Uh, what dedication from Pato Award, <laughs> and I said that's uh, pretty much what we were doing with our hiatus. You know, <laughs> yeah, we left our wives alone for a couple of weeks. We weren't chasing tail for a couple of weeks, but uh, yeah, just a great quote from Pato
0: Award. Absolutely awesome. Uh, new sponsors for uh, Ed Carpenter Racing as well. It didn't get to that. I mean, it's it's related to Todd Alt and everything with Bitnile, but it's just not branded as Bitnile uh, all it over is- the car. Now they have Guy Care Risk on International but they're all under Todd Alt companies. Now
1: something too we wanted to hit on that you let me know today SRX, mm-hmm. no SRX yeah. for
0: 2024. So IROC coming back but SRX Do you think that's going a, away? That's directly
1: associated with SRX going away.
0: I just feel like SRX got away from their mission. When they switched from CBS to ESPN, I mean, TV ratings tanked, well, for Well, because
1: they, they moved them to Thursday. Because all yeah. these people are like, oh, bring back Thursday, Thursday Night, Night Thunder. Thunder. And, and then nobody watched. No one watched. So it doesn't work. Thursday Night Thunder doesn't work.
0: It did not work. And, again, it's, it's a shame because it was a fun series, especially when they had the local track Ringer. Yeah. And then they kind of got away from that, and it was just nascar guys who could fill in and indycar guys who could fill in yeah and, you, had, and it, you got away from what made it so cool is having the local ringer be a part of those fields and it, it had the
1: novelty had worn off for sure uh, for srx
0: it was a great idea it had its time unfortunately I'd, I'd be surprised if it comes back i think that's that maybe shows just how hard it
1: is to break into the auto racing market in terms of new leagues and all that stuff and new series is um it was a great idea to start. It sounded like all the things that you wish Indi- or uh, you know racing used to be in terms of stock cars and all that stuff. I mean, my dad actually sent me, <clears throat> excuse me, a, um, I get choked up when I'm talking about the whole uh, <laughs> stuff. He sent me a picture. Uh, this is 1962 Fireball Roberts, okay? Practice at Daytona in 1962. This is a picture of him. And the, 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 the caption says, take notice of the key to start the car, actual key, because these are stock cars, shoulder and leg support padding. So instead of, you know, actually being cocooned in it, it was just basically, it looked like dental chair padding that's kind of keeping you in the car. I'm showing uh-huh. it to you right yeah. now, okay? The taped stock wheel, okay? So it's the same steering wheel. They just taped it up. The stick shift on the column, okay? Just like old school, you know, yeah. on the column. And the best part is, well no fire suit of course but the penny loafer shoes <laughs> that fireball roberts has on the penny loafer oh shoes at practice yeah. at daytona in 1962 i feel like that's kind of what srx was trying to tap back into the good old days and everybody just showed up and all the cars were similar you know and it's run what you're wrong right and it just kind of went away from that and i think it was cool for a while but then everybody's kind of still kind of like i can just go see the same stuff on my dirt track if you're interested and there's not enough casual interest to tune in so it had its run what was it
0: two uh, years or three, three years yeah. so it
1: didn't even make it three years before. no it
0: made it three okay, this made It would have been the fourth
1: okay so made it three years and then done I, I think it was cool for the time novelty had worn off and it tried a, a big move quite frankly cbs didn't want it anymore because you're not making that move from saturday nights on cbs to thursday nights on espn unless the money has dried up for cbs and it was gone and now it's gone for good
0: And time now for a random split air
1: driver of the week. So we went into the 1996-97 IRL season, and we're going with a guy that some people have heard of, with Billy Rowe. Definitely heard of him. Billy Rowe, he raced in the 97, 98, and 2000 to 2002 seasons. 16 career starts. He started a pair of Indianapolis 500s. He tried to qualify for three, only made two. The one he did not qualify for was... Uh, his last one, 2002, I believe, uh, started the 500 in 1997, driving into Lara Oldsmobile, started 24th, finished 22nd. 1998, he was the final starter on the grid at 33rd, finished 30th in 2002 in a G4 Chevrolet, failed to qualify. It's a veritable who's who of IRL teams that he raced for. You have Tempero, Geoffrey Racing. You have e- Euro International. Rowe Racing. Yeah, his own team. His own team, uh, which was just a, a second Vegas race in 97 that he competed at. DB Man Motorsports. I have no idea what that is.
0: Team Scandia. Heard of that one. Blueprint Racing.
1: <laughs> Logan Racing. And then Zally Racing. Racing. Yeah. The only one that I've heard of, oh, there's two. Uh, Logan Racing and Tempero Geoffrey Racing. I, I've heard Scandia. of Scandia. T- yeah, Scandia. But Euro International. Um, DB Man Motorsports, bro, racing, of course. I have no idea what those are. But uh, actually made a fair amount of starts 16 starts in the IRL. His first race, uh, he tried to qualify for Phoenix in 96, did not qualify. Huh. People had to qualify to run races in 1996. Is that coming back in IndyCar at some point? Hmm? Huh. His first start in IndyCar was 1996 97 season at Phoenix, and then finished at 22nd in Indy, did not qualify at Texas. In 96, his best finish in the IRL looks like it was Texas and Vegas, 13th. Vegas in 97 and Texas in 2000. Uh, Texas won in 2000.
0: Also, one final note on him he has the Indianapolis Motor Speedway's first official electric car lap record of 106.897 miles per hour on May 7, 2011. His first lap, first time around in the Hawk EX11. That from Mm. the Wikipedia page.
1: He did some uh, Toyota Atlantics and then Infinity Pro Series as well, but a resident or native at least of Indianapolis, retired in 2004. He's now 66 years old. Uh, Mr. Billy Rowe, this week's random split era driver of the week.
0: All right, that wraps up our first episode for 2024. Hopefully we limited our negative talk this
1: Uh, week. I think we're off to a good start. We we tried our best. We we did our best. We tried to stay as positive as possible for as long as possible.
0: We'll be back next week. Hopefully some driver announcements. Rumor has it Dale Coin Racing could have some driver announcements on the way in the uh, coming days. So we'll look for that hopefully next week here on New Track Record Podcast. Podcasts by Federated Media.